It's in Luke chapter 19 and just uh, verses 1 to 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed on a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Thanks, Jackie. Let's pray. Lord, um, just be with Andy now as he comes and uh, brings your word to us. Maybe for some of us, a story we, we know well, but Lord, bring us new truth today uh, and uh, speak to every person here. Particularly pray for those who don't perhaps yet believe that this story would really speak into uh, their hearts as they search for a meaning and a search for a home today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Great. Good morning. And it's just good to have God's word to help us make sense of life and to make sense of uh, how we find our way home uh, to him and everything. And we just really want him to speak to us uh, through these words in a fresh way uh, today. And um, just as we begin, it'd be quite good. I know not everyone likes doing this sort of thing, but I'd just like you to turn, encourage you to turn to someone and find out where they're from. Okay. Somebody outside of your own family. Okay. Somebody, where would they consider to be home? So who are they and where do they consider to be home? Where's, where are they from? Before we get to the furthest most parts of the world, just within the UK, who reckons they're from the furthest part of the UK? No one? So you're from Birmingham here? <laughs> Anyone from beyond Birmingham? Well, okay, they're all coming out now. Okay, but who's, who's from beyond England? Okay, from, who's from, well, Cornwall's nearly beyond England. It's like miles down that way. Okay, who's some of the furthest point out of you lot, do you think? I, it, I meant within the UK. Oh, we'll go to the world. Okay, we've got Australia, yeah? Can I <laughs> India, okay, yeah. Where else? Yeah. South Africa. Zimbabwe, fantastic. Are these guys from uh, the island of Nevis? Caribbean. Caribbean. Fantastic, brilliant. Colombia. Oh, wow. We've got such a great mix of people this morning. It's fantastic to have you all with us uh, in all of that. And uh, for some people, you don't really know where you're from. Um, you've lived in so many places, um, you're different parts of your life. Uh, for some people, it's a painful reminder um, that you're miles and miles away from home. Um, and it's a long, long way away. But um, we all know when we feel at home and when we don't feel at home um, in a situation. Uh, for many, it's where you grew up. Uh, it's where most of the stories come from in your life, those formative years where you, your values are shaped and all those memories kind of come from. Uh, it's a place where you felt safe 
Um, although sometimes you didn't feel safe at home and home for you was, was not actually at home, but was somewhere else. But it's a place where you don't have to explain yourself. It's a place where you can just be yourself. You can laugh, you can cry. Um, as Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz says, there's no place like home. And uh, it's a place where all those close people are in your life, where you're loved, where you're accepted in all of that. And this morning I want to look at Zacchaeus' life and I want to look at his lostness. I want to look at God's original intention and our search for home and also how um, Zacchaeus, a small guy, actually became big um, in his life. And I don't think Zacchaeus was loved, and I don't think he was accepted. I think in his community, he was pretty alienated. He was pretty rejected. He was a tax collector. None of us really like tax collectors. Um, but he was a, f- a chief tax collector, not a, p- a job of popularity amongst the Jews. Um, and uh, he would work for the Romans. In fact, he didn't do it. He got other people to do it because he was the chief tax collector, hated even more. And he would bring in all this money. He would probably overcharge, line his own pockets. And it says that he was wealthy, probably at the expense of many of the people in the community. So they weren't popular in that sense. And he effectively had betrayed his people because he worked for the Romans. And uh, he was not uh, helping his nation at all, but he kind of deserted them in that way. So he was not loved. He was not accepted. And so they term him a sinner. That's their terminology for this guy in this regard. But you sense in him there's a real lostness that this life is not working for him. Um, Not in a little way, but in a big way. That he is lost in the face of the world, as it were. Um, Somebody put it like this, like waking up one day to find that you don't know how you got to where you are and you don't know the way ahead. Lost in the sort of way that a little kid is lost when it can't find its parents. Lost so it hurts. Mike Riddell writes this, he says, some of us react to that by huddling up into a a little ball to protect ourselves. Other people throw themselves um, into all sorts of things uh, to help them forget uh, their lostness. And many just keep talking in a loud voice to try and impress themselves and others that they know where they're going in life. And lostness is that sense of feeling that we don't quite belong in this world. And he says, everybody carries it, but nobody shows it. And uh, very often it's our pride that might say, I'm not lost. You know, I'm, I'm never going to ask for directions. And uh, we can be like that in life. Our pride might say, I don't need a home. You know, I'm an adult. I don't need a home now. You know, I've, I've left home. Um, I'm grown up. I'm not a child anymore. But Zacchaeus, this man, becomes like a child. And he finds some amazing things. Child in a, in a healthy sense of the words, like, like kids kind of going to try to see over a wall to find out what the carnival looks like on the other side. And uh, we read of Zacchaeus, first of all, he runs. Okay, here's a guy, childlike, okay, he's Middle East, official business guy, they don't run around. And yet he says he runs, he wants to find out what's going on. Um, secondly, it says he climbs a tree so that he can see. Now, I used to love climbing trees. Secretly, I still love climbing trees. Somebody reminded me about the first service that only last year I was around that house at a New Year's party and one of these big Chinese lanterns got stuck in the tree and it was gonna burn the whole of Birmingham down. And I, within a second, I was up and I was up the tree. I was just like, it's natural. It's just what I like doing. So footballs, kites, give me a chance. It usually ends in disaster, but I still like to do that sort of thing. And when in, in Edinburgh, we used to have this uh, festival every year. And at the beginning of the festival, the Edinburgh Festival, there's a great parade through the town. And uh, me and my mates used to climb, shin up this, this lamppost 
uh, up to this quite high wall. Don't tell my mum. Okay, and we used to get the best view of the parade uh, from this place. Anyway, that's that's aside. <laughs> anyway, so here he comes. He runs. He climbs up a tree because he wants to see, and he's curious. What he wants to know what's going on. He wants to know who this Jesus is. He wants to know what he's missing out on, and he wants to see. And very often it's pride in our lives that keeps us successful people from really trusting God with our lives. But Zacchaeus overcomes that pride because he's looking for meaning. He's looking for purpose. He wants to know what life's about. John Calvin said this. He said, curiosity and simplicity are a sort of preparation for faith. And I really like that. Curiosity and simplicity are sort of preparation for faith. And uh, that childlike curiosity is something that Jesus commends. Luke 18, he said, I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And so Zacchaeus thinks he's, he's looking for something in Jesus, and in many senses he is. But then we discover that actually it's Jesus who's looking for him. Verse five and verse 10. It says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, he uses his name. Okay, it's, it's so powerful. He uses his name and he says, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And goes on for the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. Jesus is the one who's seeking us. Jesus is the one who's seeking after you. And God's original intention has always been home where he is the loving father, where we enjoy that, that safety and that relationship with him, a place of love, a place of acceptance, a place of safety, a place of laughter, a place of life, a place where we belong, a place where we experience family. And in Genesis uh, chapter one, we read of that perfect home in Eden that he originally set up. And interestingly, the way that Genesis is written, it says as much about what God is doing as, as what is written. And the first verse in Genesis, um, it says in, in the English uh, version I have, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And in the original Hebrew, that is seven words. And many of you may know that seven is this perfect number in the Bible, it's, a, it's the number of perfection. And the first verse of the Bible is made up of seven carefully chosen words. And the second verse in Genesis is made up of 14, two times seven words and the next sections are made up of 21 three times seven bits of words and it, it's just God's way of saying he is building this perfectly and he is building this very very carefully and seven times it says it is good it is good it is good and then the seventh time it is very good and the man and the woman walked with God in relationship with God and they knew no shame they knew who they were they knew where they'd come from. They knew where, what they were to do and, and how to do that. And they have that perfect home. But just in the next chapters, the home is broken. And suddenly we find ourselves in a broken home as they disobey God. And suddenly everything was in its proper place is now displaced. And uh, where there was intimacy and where there was purity, now there's shame and broken relationships with God and with one another. And even the animals that they've given names to um, that were there to be subdued and there to help mankind suddenly turn on them and it's not a place of safety anymore. A safe place becomes a dangerous place. And the whole rest of the Bible is about getting back 
to that place. It's about bringing things back to the original intention that God had. And there's a very faint trace, a kind of memory trace, um, I believe, in every single human being, every single one of us. Um, something in our hearts, something in our lives. It's a trace of, of Eden in our hearts. And you know what it's like when the family photograph book comes up? You know, the one where you are very young. You know, and these, these kind of strange photographs come out from cameras you've never even seen. And uh, you look at these pictures and you're, you're in the picture, but you don't quite remember it. But then after the years, you think, well, maybe I do remember this. You know, because it's, was I there or do I just remember it because of the photograph? And there's that faint memory trace, if you like, of, of something that was that, that you can't quite remember. It's almost an unconscious thing. And so it is in, in our lives, there's this strange trace memory, these little glimpses, if you like, in each one of us about home and knowing God. And there's a clue in, in our restlessness and in our, uh, in our kind of sense of homelessness and the lostness that we experience in life. And we look for it in all sorts of different ways. But to have that friendship with God and to belong and to freely respond to love with love. Mike Riddell um, again says this, he said, at the risk of pointing out the emperor's nakedness, may I venture to suggest that the feeling of being lost is an indication that we are lost. This is a radical thought on par with the idea that the feeling of hunger indicates a need of food. <laughs> but this desire for home plays out in our world. It plays out in our culture, plays out in so, so many ways. And we've got a song video um, by a guy called Philip Phillips, and it's just simply called Home. It's a simple song, but it's about lostness. It's about looking in the wrong places if you look at the images. It's about foundness, and it is about home. So let's watch this, and then I'll make some more comments. <clears throat> I'm going to make this place your home. And it's a great song. It's upbeat. It's full of hope. Um, but it's had millions of views. And I came across this other day. It's something that draws people. Some simple words about offering and making a home and millions are looking at. And then I read some of the comments below the, the YouTube video. The first one just said this, this song makes me want to cry. How can music be this beautiful? The next one amazingly said, for anyone who's in need of prayer, I've got you. Strange, 67 replies. Most of them said, thanks, I need that a lot. First one, thanks, my man. I'm thinking that we all need prayer. Another one, I could use some prayers. Another one, thanks, hits right home. Next one, I'm a Muslim, does it work for me? The next one, thanks, man, really need one right now. I've got a personal issue and it's tearing me apart. Another one, but how do you pray? And then another post below the song was tragic. It said, I lost my youngest son, age 37, in February, my sister-in-law of 45 in May, and my oldest son, 44, in June, dot, dot, dot. But I'm going to make it home. Home, true home, is the only thing that's going to help this guy. It's the only answer, and it sounds like he knows something of that. I was in pieces as I was reading all this. People desperate to find home, to find real home. And then another post said, I've been trying to find this song for three expletive years. I had to go on a deep search through the web to find this. A deep search 
just to find a song about home. How much are people looking for the real thing? And uh, there's a desire, there's this memory trace in each of our hearts and lives, in the human heart, for something that started in Eden and got broken along the way. A psychiatrist, a guy called Gerald May, uh, wrote this. There is a desire within each of us, in the deep center of ourselves, that we call the heart. We are born with it, it is never completely satisfied, and it never dies. We are often unaware of it, but the desire is always awake. And then another guy writing uh, about this goes on, he says, some believe it is impossible for nomads to find relief because their desire, sorry, their desire only desires desire. But I think their desire desires home, which is possible to find. But they just can't quite believe it. We yearn to belong somewhere. This memory of Eden is written in our souls and it's on mine and it's on yours. A memory of a place that we belong to. And a divine discontent in life that reminds us that we were made for something better. We were made for something bigger. We were made for something else. And the whole rest of the Bible is, is a story of us running away from God and God almost wearying himself out trying to bring us back, trying to search for us story after story after story of how he so loves the world. He's so desperate, he's so eager for us to come home. Genesis chapter three, shame in the home. And God makes some coverings to cover up mankind. Genesis chapter four, domestic violence. And God begins again. Genesis chapter six, Noah and the, and, and the house floods and everything starts again. God begins again. Genesis chapter 11 in Babel, and humanity thinks it wants to build its own type of home with a big tower up to the heavens, and God has to stop it and prevent it from happening. And he pursues them through the desert, and he pursues them through the exile. And then his son leaves his father's house. He leaves his home, and he comes to rescue us. Foxes have holes, says Jesus, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He becomes homeless so that we can have a home. He experiences rejection and alienation um, of his father so that we can have a free place at the table, that we can come and eat with God himself. And he pays the ultimate ransom price for us. We have a perfect home that becomes a broken home that is then restored by the homeless savior. Verse 10, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. And Zacchaeus realizes his lostness. He knows this is, is there. He's got everything. He's got his lifestyle. He's got his money. He's got all his stuff around him. But as someone said earlier, it's not a home. It's not what life is about. And yet, this small guy discovers how, what it really means to be big. And he was a small guy, a little guy. It wasn't his fault, but he couldn't see. He wasn't tall enough to see. He did what he could. He overcame his, his dignity and he climbs a tree to see. But spiritually speaking, every one of us is too short. Okay, we're all too short to see God on our own. Okay, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Okay, none of us measure up to God's standard. We all fall completely short of it. And the thing is that we measure ourselves by the world's measuring tape, not God's. So we, we measure ourselves about how much we earn, about our money, you know, 
That's, that's what gives us status in life. And we pursue our whole lives for that. Or another measuring tape would be um, our position in life. You know, what's the pecking order? And, and that's, that's what we, we measure ourselves after. Or it might be, might be power. I'm not sure this guy's got very much. You know, or what we look like. You know, you go down the gym and people are just working out. That's what they're pursuing in life. That somehow that is what will give them what it is they're looking for in life. What we look like. Or perhaps it's popularity. You know, this twist on the, the Beatles song. You know, how many likes can I get? Because we think these are the things that make us feel big. Okay, these are the world's definition of bigness. Okay? And yet we read these astounding verses, these astounding words of Jesus just a few chapters earlier in Luke 16, verses 14 and 15. And it says, The Pharisees who loved money heard all this, and they were sneering at Jesus. Elsewhere they wanted the praise of men and the likes, if you like. But he said to them, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men. But God knows your hearts. What is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. That's a very strong word, isn't it? Detestable. That our measuring tape is completely wrong. Zacchaeus has got the money. He's got the status. He's got the position. He's got the authority. And yet he's still lost and completely alone. But then we read that salvation comes to his house. Verse 9. Salvation comes. He becomes, he says, a son of of Abraham. Abraham was famed for his, his faith journey. He left one place, went to another place. He trusted God um, and, uh, and he was effectively a child of faith, which is what he means by a son of Abraham, to be a child of faith, to trust God. And that is as big as you can get. That's what real bigness looks like. That's what true bigness looks like. And Zacchaeus had a big heart for God and he had a big heart for other people because his heart is changed, his life is changed through this encounter with Jesus. And he becomes tremendously generous, excuse me, and, and restitutes all the things that he's gone and put wrong. Here and now, he says, I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. He's found home, he's found salvation, he's found friendship with Jesus, he's found a place of belonging and a sense of belonging and of acceptance and of forgiveness and of real freedom. He's found what this real home is all about and he now has a heart that can freely respond to the love of God with love, okay, and it's expressed out through him. And Jesus goes on and he says, not only this life, but the next life. You know, John 14, I have gone to prepare a place for you. And in my father's house, there are many rooms and I will come back and I'll take you to be with me. But it starts here and the promise is forever. And whatever you're searching for, God is searching for you. Whatever you're looking for, God is looking for you and he wants you to find home today. Let's pray. Loving Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, this world is an amazing home that you've built for us, this creation. So often this home has become an anxious, dangerous, worried, hurried place. But we know that because of Jesus, who had no home here, that we can find what we're looking for. And I pray for anyone searching, any one of us confused about home, 
looking in the wrong places, that we will each find in you the one thing for which we were made. We've never actually really wanted anything else. We've never looked for anything else. In every pursuit, in every job, in every excitement, in every word of approval sought, we've really longed to be reunited with you. May you do that through your Holy Spirit even now. Bring each one of us home, Lord Jesus. And with, with our eyes closed and perhaps our heads bowed still, if you're here this morning and as, as Linda shared earlier, that you know, you've never opened that door, you've never opened that door to God. And if you want to find that home this morning, here's a very simple prayer that you can echo in your heart, in your own heart as a first step. And here's the prayer that you can just echo it quietly. I know that I've fallen short. I know I've looked in the wrong places. Forgive me now. I want to come home. Thank you that you became homeless for me and gave your life for me. I run into your arms now. Thank you for welcoming me. Fill me with your spirit and lead me from this place. In Jesus' name, amen.